This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We begin our study in the book of Jonah. And we pray that you'll, you have an, uh, a little bit of an outline there that Brother Charles passed out for you. <clears throat> Last week, we gave you a good introduction into Jonah. And for those of you who wasn't here, we won't go all the way back through that, but I do want just to mention the things that we set up for as we go into this study on, on us in Sunday school. The book of Jonah will give us a spiritual checkup. And that's we all need that. We need to always check ourselves spiritually, see how we're doing. Most of the time we know how we're doing with the Lord. It also will tell us things about forgiving other people and loving our enemies. And those are two important things. Jesus talked about that when he was on this earth, and we see it in the scriptures over and over again. And then thirdly, we talk about do we run away from the Lord in certain issues? The Lord prompts our heart. He opens the door. It, it could be any, any way that he speaks to us through his word. Do we, do we go with that? Do we say, yes, Lord? Or do we run away from that and say, well, you know, I've got other things to take care of, other things to do. Jonah was one of the only four writing prophets that Jesus mentioned by name. So I believe it's very important that we look into his life and what's going on here. We also talked about a sign. A sign that in the scriptures, especially the New Testament, it is a something that they, that we talk about in the Old Testament. They saw miracles that Jesus did. It was a sign. Remember, they asked Jesus for a sign. Jesus said, I'll not give you a sign. He's talking to the unbelievers. And in fact, he mentioned the only sign that you'll have is Jonah. And so that's why we are looking into this book and realizing a sign you remember right here at Christmas time, uh, we talked about in, in the Gospel of Luke that, that uh, the angel said there'd be a sign unto you or to the shepherds, a sign, a babe born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's your sign that you'll know that you found the Christ child. And other places in the scripture, we talked about that. So uh, here we find that the sign that they were looking for from Jesus, they wanted to see him do another miracle. They wanted to see him do this, do that, but they weren't believing that when he'd done it. They weren't believing in him as the Son of God. So uh, we talked about in the generation that Jesus spoke of, in the Scriptures it says this generation should have that sign of Jonah. And so um, com we compared Jonah with became a sign when he spent three days, three nights in the whale of the belly, in the belly of the whale, and Jesus spent three days, three nights in the earth. And so we have his death, burial, resurrection, and so we compared Jesus with Jonah, and it became a very good comparison. So let's go ahead, turn in your Bible, and they'll get it on the scripture to Jonah chapter 1 this morning as we get into that. And I'm entitled to take lesson, God never gives up. Aren't you thankful for that? 
He never gives up on us. And we need to realize that. Because of His relentless love, God does not give up on us even when people give up on Him. And people do many times. You know, even people that believe in the Lord, things happen in their life and all of a sudden they're wondering, well, why did that happen to me? I thought I was serving the Lord. I thought I'm a Christian. Why is this coming upon me? And they may even give up on talking to the Lord about it. They may give up on trusting in Him. So we, we want you to see some of these things here this morning. We're going to take a look at the story. And this is a story of a father who loves his children so much that he's willing to relentlessly pursue them even when they have rebelled against him. You know, we love our children as parents. We love our grandchildren. And it's probably, we, we try to do anything that we can for them. And as we, as parents, we raise our children. We, we teach them the things that they need to know. We try to bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. And yes, they may go down the wrong direction at some point. They may fail you at some point. They do some disappointing things that, that we don't like, but that doesn't mean we stop loving them. In fact, we, we reach out to love them even more because we're wanting to get them back on the right track. We're wanting to, to keep them uh, serving the Lord and doing what they should be doing. And that's the way the Lord is with us. No matter what direction we take, no matter what wrong turn we go down, He still loves us enough to want to convict us of that, to send a message along, a song along, or anything that will speak to our hearts and trying to get us to get back doing what we should be doing for Him. You know, most people consider this story in Jonah here is one of the biggest fish stories ever told. But listen, it's not a story about a fish. It's not even a story about a fisherman. But if we look past that main thing that we see when we think of Jonah, it's a story about God's relentless love. His relentless love. And secondly, it's a story about a reluctant prophet named Jonah, who is a lot like us, then we would care to admit we, we, are, we are a lot like him. And so I want to try to accomplish a couple of things as we look into this first chapter here and through the rest of the book of Jonah. I want us to realize and develop a greater appreciation for God's love. I wonder how many times we just wake up in the morning and say, thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for pursuing after me when even I do wrong. And also, I want us to develop a deeper love for others throughout this lesson, especially for those who might seem far from God. You know, it's easy to come into the Lord's house where, you know, what is the old saying? We call each other brothers and sisters around here. It's easy to love our brothers and sisters that are smiling at us and shaking our hand, hugging our neck. But what about that one out there that cussed you out this week? What about that one that did something terrible towards you this week? Can we still love them? We need to. They need to see God's love in us. 
And so that is the thing you're going to find out here. Somebody was able to see what God's doing through this story. And it wasn't just Jonah either. Now, this is a, a very familiar story, as I said. Sometimes it's probably the most familiar one in the Bible to a lot of people. You've been in church at any amount of time in Sunday school. You've, you've all heard the story of Jonah. But that story itself is not all that long when we think about it. In the Bible, it just takes less than a few little pages for this book of Jonah. But I'm sure that we're going to learn some things <clears throat> that the story here is telling us that we may not have considered before. So go ahead and look at Jonah chapter 1. Find the book of Jonah, if you will. If you can't find it, it's, I'll give you a hint. It's in the Old Testament. And I'll give you another hint. It's between the book of Obadiah and Michael. That doesn't help very much, does it? <laughs> Obadiah is just one chapter long. But if you need to use the table of contents, that's all right. That's what it's there for. But they'll get these scriptures up on the, on the, on the screen as well. So Jonah chapter 1. Let's look at the first two verses. We established, really, verse 1. We talked about that last week of who Jonah was, and it tells you again here. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So we find out right away that this isn't, a, this isn't something Jonah came up with. This is something that the Lord put a calling on him. This is something that the Lord impressed him very earnestly to do. So when we see the word here, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. We see that in the Old Testament. Many times you'll find the word of the Lord came to this prophet, that prophet. And that prophet would go and tell that word to the people. Or maybe they just needed to go tell one man. But however they went, it was because they got a message from the Lord to go and tell that. So we find that it is very important here to realize who the message came from. It was a clear message. It was easy to understand. He was to go to Nineveh, but he wasn't going there on vacation. He was going there to preach, to cry out to this great city because it was a wicked and sinful city. So he definitely was familiar with Nineveh because it was located in Assyria. The Assyrians had been longtime enemies with the Israel and the Ninevites. In fact, you go back and study the history of some of that going on there in, uh, in Nineveh. These people here, these, these men that were that were fighting battles with other countries. They would actually capture people from other places and they would bring them and skin them alive and bury them in the sand to die a slow death. That's pretty wicked right there. So you can imagine Jonah knowing this. You think he was excited about the message from the Lord? No, he would have rather done anything. It's not hard to understand his reluctance here to go down there. But I, you'll see in, in one of the many twists that are in this book of Jonah, we're not going to find out the real reason 
why Jonah disobeyed God till we get all the way to the end, chapter 4. So that, if you want to find that out, you got to keep coming back when I teach on this book of Jonah. But I thought about that. How many times do people get a message from the Lord to do something and we're thinking, that is the last thing I want. I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk to that person. I, I, I really don't want to get out of my comfort zone and have to go down the town to this person and, or go across town or whatever it, the Lord wants you to do. Many times we hear that message and we, we just, like Jonah already, we, we decided we don't like it. We don't want to do that. Look at verse number three. <clears throat> but, you see that? But, so the word of the Lord came to him, nevertheless, however, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I want you to recognize and notice that phrase, presence of the Lord, because it shows up twice in this one verse, and it's going to show up again. And went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go to them unto Tarshish. Nothing about Nineveh from the presence, look at that again, the presence of the Lord. So you have to give it to Jonah. When he decides to disobey God, he sure does it wholeheartedly. He, make, he tries to make sure that he has run away from what God wants him to do. If they'll get Genesis 3.8, I talked about this passage in, in Genesis last week. You remember somebody else going away from the presence of the Lord? Adam and Eve is talking about it. They heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and Eve hid themselves from what? The Lord. Amongst the trees of the garden. Isn't it amazing? Trees of the presence of the Lord. And what, a, what another message for us. We cannot escape God. We cannot run from the, His presence. If God has convicted you of something, God, you read the Scripture and it, it showed you something that you need to take care of in your life, we can't close the Bible and say, well, that didn't happen. That, that wasn't in there. We, we can't change that. We can't run from the presence of the Lord. And neither could Jonah. He thought if he made all these plans to do this, this other deal, instead of heading east 300 miles to Nineveh, he goes 2,500 miles in the opposite direction towards Tarsus in Spain. I mean, he, he is making a hard left turn to make sure that he's not doing what God called him to do. And he thinks he's escaped the presence of the Lord. We'll jump down to verse number five, and I want you to see this. We're going to come back and grab verse four in a minute. The mariners were afraid and cried everyone unto his, to his God and cast forth wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But I want you to notice this last part in this, in this verse. Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. 
How can you run from the presence of the Lord and sleep so good? How can you do that? I mean, he's fast asleep. And not only that, we're seeing the progression already in these verses that he's it's happening to him. He begins his journey by going down to the seaport in Joppa. And then he continues going down, finds a ship, finds the destination, goes down into the ship, the sailing towards Tarshish. I mean, Jonah goes down, down, down. And, you know, that is the progression that we will find ourselves if we don't watch out. That is the point when we find ourselves, we used to read the Bible, we used to attend church, we used to give to God, we used to always try to reach others for Christ. We used to do all these things, but you know what happens to a lot of people? They've headed down, down, down in the wrong direction. But I'm thankful for God's relentless love. He still wants to reach out and get you. He still wants to bring you back to the place you need to be. But here he is going down. And I notice here that he is, how can he, let's back up and look at verse 4 because what's going on? The Lord, the Lord did it. He sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. It wasn't just a little wave. It wasn't just a little passing storm. I mean, God sent a great storm that this ship was just about ready to be broken all apart. And so we're finding here that in the midst of this crazy storm, in the midst of running from God, you can go down into the ship and go to sleep. <laughs> you know, the devil would like to lull us into a deep sleep spiritually. He'd like to get folks to a point that they no longer care about the world. We don't care about who's dying and going to hell. We don't care about our church house and what needs to be done to keep that going so souls can come in and hear the gospel. We don't care about witnessing for this one and doing that one. Listen, we can fall into that sleep category. I'm reminded of two, two instances that we I, I came across in the Bible. We just read this one on Wednesday night. Look at Judges 4.21. Here was a, they had gone into battle and this guy in charge here, this king, he thought he would escape. So he jumped off his chariot and he ran, but God had something in store for him. J.L., which is Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent. She called him into the tent. Hey, come on over here. And he ran, he got into the tent. He was thirsty. She gave him some milk to drink and he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And she went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened him to the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. And so he died. She nailed him to the floor, buddy. And if he'd have been wide awake, he would, he would have known what was going on. You remember another fellow that uh, fell asleep at the wrong time, Samson? He slept real good, too. She cut off the locks of his hair that had his strength was, was uh, because of the Lord worked it that way. And when he, she woke him up that time, said, hey, the Philistines are coming. All right, I'll go get them as before. He couldn't do it. 
I encourage you, don't let the devil get you falling into a deep sleep. Don't get away from the things of God. This world would certainly want us to forget about God, forget about they're trying to take God out of everything they can. And if we don't watch out, we'll fall into that sleep that can be devastating to us. But in the meantime, this great storm has come up. And to show you how great it is, the mariners who were, they were used to storms. They were used to anything the sea brought their way. They were scared. They were frightened. They had something happening to them. Look at verse number five. The mariners were afraid. You see that? They even did this much. Started to cry every man unto his God. They cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. All of this is going on. Jonah's fast asleep. So these guys, they, they decided we're going to die here. This ship is going, going to fall apart here. And I think when we read this, this story, we pass over these sailors kind of quickly and we shouldn't because they play a, a very integral part in chapter one. In fact, these, these pagan men who had many gods, it says they cried out to their gods. You know, they're actually going to become the first converts of Jonah on this trip. And that wasn't Jonah's intent, but that's how God worked it out. But we find here that they cried out to their gods. The storm's raging. They do what they've always done in times of trouble. They cry out to their gods. But as we would expect, that's going to do no good. There's a lot of people today crying out to other things other than God. They're thinking, if I can just win the lottery, I'll be set for life, be happy the rest of my life. Someone texted me a while back telling me about what they had. I got this, I got this, and I got this, and I got this, and you ain't got none of that. And my thought was back to them, you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul. You see, a lot of people think that they have something they can grab a hold to on this, on this world and it will save them. But the only thing that saves is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is the only one that we can depend upon that will last forever. So here, they are throwing these cargo overboard, trying to lighten the ship. That's not going to do any good. Look at verse 6. <clears throat> so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. So the, the shipmaster, the captain, has come to this point. There's a guy down there sleeping that we took on board. We've cried out to our God. We've done all we can do. Let's go wake him up, find out what he can do. So they go down there and wake him up and say, listen, you need to call upon your God because ours are not doing anything. So we find that 
as this last resort. I'm sure they, they wasn't excited about having to go down there and wake him up and, and, and say this to him. But they decided to go a little step further. And they said, everyone to his, uh, everyone to his own fellow in verse seven, come let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and guess what? <laughs> the lots fell upon Jonah. Do you think that was just luck, happenstance? No. God's working in his whole deal here. And so here they are thinking, we're going to cast lots. We're going to identify who the culprit is here. They didn't know it was going to fall on Jonah. They, they got all the men here on the ship. Going to cast lots, it's going to fall upon one of these men, and we're going to know who it is that the problem is. So, the Bible says in verse 8 Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for what cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? Of what people art thou? So, they're, they're saying, We got to find by this guy. And then lot fell on him. So the best thing for us to do is find out all the information we can about him. So they begin with a series of questions here. Who are you? What kind of job do you have? Where'd you come from? And Jonah's answer is in verse number nine. And they said, and he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. Look at this. And I fear the Lord the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Yeah, the only question that he answered to them was that he was a Hebrew. Nothing else about him. But he did say something that really strikes me. And here's this guy who has got the message from God and decided to go in the total opposite direction and said to these sailors here, I fear the Lord. I fear the Lord. Well, he doesn't even answer the other questions, but it's ironic that he would say, I fear God. Well, he didn't fear God enough to commit what he's doing. He didn't fear God enough to go down and do the things that he's doing in the opposite direction that he's going. Jonah should have known better. Verse 10. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew, look at this, that he fled, you remember the phrase, from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So at somewhere in this conversation, not only did he say, I fear God, but he said, I'm running from the presence of the Lord. I'm running, I'm running from what God wanted me to do. Now, as he shares this with them and talking about the fear of God, I can only think what these sailors are thinking here. Well, why in the world is he on this ship? Why in the world is he doing what he's doing? And so they are saying, we have got to do something about this. But they're afraid because verse number 11 says, Then said they unto him, 
what shall we do unto thee, that the ship may be calm for us, and the sea wrought, and was temptuous. So we find here that they're afraid. It's just going to bring more. What what are they going to do with this prophet? What what are they going to do with him? And for him to give them the answer that he did. And tell them what he's going to have to happen. It, It doesn't please them. You would think on one hand they were saying, oh, okay, good, that's the answer. But that's not how they're looking at it. So we find here that Jonah has to tell them what needs to be done. Verse 12, he said unto them, take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so that the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Jonah knew exactly what was going on. He knew why this whole situation was turned out bad. And he knew the answer to it. So we find here that he had the fear of God. Proverbs 9, 10, you know, how important it is that we fear God, who he is, have that reverence of the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. I think we should always remember who God is and realize that our opinion doesn't really count. It's God's opinion that counts. It's God's commands that count. It's what He wants us to do. He created us. So Jonah tells the men here, just throw me overboard. But they feared God enough that they weren't ready to just grab him and throw him overboard. This servant of the all-powerful God, they, they weren't excited about doing what Jonah wanted them to do. So you find in verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. I can see the Lord, as they're rowing, He just blows them on back another notch. They go forward, He blows them back. He sends them back. They're getting nowhere. We can fight against what God wants us to do, but really we'll get nowhere with that. The best thing we can do is give in to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, thy servant heareth. I'll do what you need me to do. So when Jonah told them that what they needed to do, it wasn't something that they were excited about. They rode hard as they could to get to the shore. What happens when we go against the Lord? You remember the story? Let's look at old Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. I was reminded of this as I was studying the lesson. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that he found any of his way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly 
there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And look at this. It is hard for thee to kick against you, you can't go against God. Understand, Lord, what was the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Thought he was doing the right thing. He thought doing something. He had his mind totally wrong. That's how the devil would twist things around to us. And here he is on the road to Damascus, and guess what? When Jesus shined that light down upon him and got his attention, and he fell off that horse, from that horse to that ground, he became a changed man. And he heard those words saying, you're persecuting me. The Lord said, you're persecuting me. You're not persecuting who you think you are. And he said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In other words, you might as well quit going against me. And we need to realize that we cannot go against what God wants us to do. Now, if we say no to what God wants us to do, I'm sure God can find somebody else to do that. But He called you to do it. He called me to do it. Don't kick against God. Don't go against that. But you might, you know, we come up with all kinds of excuses. Well, I, I don't have that kind of talent, and I don't have that kind of. Listen, God wouldn't have called you to do it. He knew you couldn't do it. And the thing is, you're not doing it in your own power. You're doing it in the Lord's power. You're dependent upon Him. Things that you need to do those things. So we find here that it, we just can't do that. We can't go against that. So seeing that there was nothing else that these mariners could do, there was, there was no other solution. They've tried rowing. They've tried throwing the things out the ship. They've tried everything they know, calling upon their gods. Nothing. So they're saying, listen, we're going to be held responsible here. We need to do something. Look at verse number 14 back in Jonah. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's sake and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Can you hear the words that these guys are saying? These were unbelieving mariners. These were people who had their own gods. And now listen to them. They are crying to Jonah's God. They are saying, Lord, oh Lord, please don't let us perish because of this man's life. Let us not perish for this man's life. And please don't lay his blood upon us. We don't want that. You know, I'm reminded even what Jesus said on the cross. 
Luke 23, 34, you remember the words that he used? He said, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them. He's looking at that crowd around us. He's looking at the world. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Isn't that amazing that God would have that kind of forgiveness? Jesus would say, God, I want you to forgive them. You remember what I said? This, this is a lesson about forgiving others and loving others. If we're going to be the children of God that God called us to be, we can not only love those that love us, that's easy, but we got to love those who don't love us. Love those that don't care about you, that won't give you the time of day, that cuss you out, that cut you off, that whatever it is, that's when Jesus needs to shine in your life and my life. So here these guys, they're saying, Lord, just don't hold out against us about this problem. I mean, we're getting ready to cast this guy over in the sea and that's going to be the end of his life. Don't lay that on our charge, please. Verse 15, back in Jonah 1. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. Look at this. And offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You remember what I said? The mariners were going to become Jonah's first, first one. Believe in God. He, he wasn't on to lead them to the Lord God, but he did. These guys realized here that, and they definitely realized that when they threw him overboard and the sea became calm. You remember the, the disciples one time were amazed that Jesus had went up, walked out there and said, peace be still. And the wind stopped and the seas calmed and they said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? They were amazed. These mariners who were unbelievers, here they are praising the Lord. Here they are calling upon the Lord. And not only that, they were offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. You know what that means? They say, we will serve you, God. We're forgetting our gods that we will call into. We believe in you now. You're the true God. Wow. We need people today to see God in us and realize we serve a true God. Listen, there's a lot of gods out here people are serving. A lot of false things that people are wrapped up in. But I believe God has something for you and for me to do, each of us, no matter how young, no matter how old, as long as we're on this earth, we can do something for the Lord. You never know when God's going to use you. I'll close with this. I remember one day, this was years ago, I was cutting grass. It was hot summertime. And down the street was a young man that I had talked to about the Lord. His life, he wanted to try to assure me that he was saved, but his life didn't show that. But he had a teenage son and his teenage son one day 
begin to talk to him and ask him about this thing about being saved, about going to heaven. You know what he did? He sent him up there to me. And I said, like I said, I was out there cutting grass and all of a sudden this young teenage boy come walking up there and he, I cut the lawnmower off. And I said, yeah, man, what's going on? He said, I need to talk to you. I said, okay. And he said, I, I want to know about being saved. Man, I was ready to shove that lawnmower over to the side. I said, come on inside. I went and got my Bible. We sit down there in the living room and I shared some scriptures with him. Man, he was under conviction. He wanted to know the Lord. And I was able to lead him to the Lord. Boy, what a joyous day that was for me. Anytime you lead someone to Christ is a wonderful time. And be able to hear that guy sincerely. I said, do you really want to know God? He said, yes, sir, I do. Do you believe these scriptures that I've shared with you? Yes, sir. Do you have a Bible? No, sir, I don't. I said, I'll get you one. Got him a Bible and read those scriptures to him. Let him read them. And he invited the Lord in his heart. What an exciting day that was. And I didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen that day. But the Lord knew it. And had me at the right place at the right time. And folks, it can be the same thing for you. You never know what the Lord wants to do for you. Now, I know Jonah was running from the Lord. But folks, he was at the right boat, really, at the right time for these mariners. They probably would have never believed in God had it not been for this situation. Thank God He does work in ways that we don't understand. His ways are always higher than ours. We just need to trust Him. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to have to stop here this morning. But we'll continue on with what's happening and God's relentless love for you and for me. Amen. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.